Hi, everybody. This is Tommy Lee Wallace. I'm a film director and writer and several other things that I won't go into. And you are listening to Without Your Head. of decapitation without your head i'm nasty neil and i'm joined by the people who make our very theme song kim trails and sean of the tomb of nick cage it's very cool to have you here thank you hey neil thank you hey yeah so i've talked to you for for years on online but i've never actually spoken with you yeah this is gonna be a first tonight this is exciting uh-huh, uh-huh. so first of all where did tomb of the nick tomb of nick cage where did the name come from Well, in St. Louis Number 1 Cemetery in New Orleans, uh, the actor Nicolas Cage already has his tomb prepared for him, which we hope he he will not be placed in there anytime soon. But um, it's such a, it's it's kind of like a strange eyesore in the middle of the cemetery because there's a lot of old graves in that cemetery. Some some people say it's nice. Some people say it's (laughs) nice. We think it's amazing. (laughs) But but, uh, Marie Laveau is actually buried there. And um, a lot of uh, a lot of dignitaries and illumita- luminaries of New Orleans. It's a very small cemetery, so he's got this giant, well, white. Sometimes it's gray. Sometimes, yeah, sometimes it's gray. Sometimes it's white. We actually uh, we used to play music with the guy who works for the cemetery, who actually maintains it. And from time to time, uh, Nicholas Cage will show up and be like, uh, "I don't want it white anymore. I want it gray." So they have to paint it gray. And then, so, then he'll change his mind, and they have to go back. I'm like, ah, I want it white now. So then they have to go back and paint it white. So that's the story, at least. That's the story we heard. But evidently, it changes color. Uh huh. That's I did not know that at all. Now I just like Googled it, 
and I'm seeing it's like a pyramid. Yeah, yeah, he's got a, he's got a unique history of uh, of events that he's known for here in New Orleans. Some of which may be, uh, you know, uh, alcohol fueled or you know, drug fueled or whatever. Who knows? But uh, yeah, uh-huh. he's got a little bit of a reputation of of a typical craziness in this town that you might expect from someone like that. Yeah. So yeah. when did two when did the Tuma Nick Cage start? When did the band start? Oh, it was about five years Almost ago. Almost four or five years ago. Four or five ago. years ago, yeah. I think it was, yeah, maybe four and a half it, years it, ago. It was now. not supposed to be a live band. It was just a studio project. Uh-huh. Originally. Yeah. Yeah, it was and just then, Sean uh, and I. It was just her and I. We did an EP for fun, and that's what we called it. And uh, just because, why not? Because it would be funny to name something after sure. a monument like that. And then... Uh, we got offered, or I was offered another project I was playing. It got offered a, a show to open up for One Eyed Doll, which that project couldn't do it. So I was like, well, I have this thing. I know some people we can put together for a live band. So let's just put it together and see what happens. And huh. that's how it started. Yeah. So, so um, is it solely original people? Oh, no. No, the... Uh, the uh, guitar player and drummer, they stayed with us. I played with them in another band. And so they stayed with us for about a year, and it really kind of just wasn't their thing, which is fine. And uh, they moved on, and then we hooked up with Taylor, who I played with in another band, uh, and Eddie, drummer. We Both of those guys came in at the same time, and we immediately started writing and recording. And that was the that's the chemistry that really works. Yeah, it's amazing. So what was on the original EP? Uh, the the original EP um, drums were electronic drums played by uh, the guy that actually produces our albums called Louis Diabin. And um, I think the original songs were Vampire's Kiss, Wicker Man, Tub of Blood, and Nightbreed. And Nightbreed Those were the yeah. four, yeah. It was all very, it was drum machine, well not drum machine, live drum, electronic drum kit, more keyboards, uh, only one guitar, um, so very raw, more of a death rock sound, you know, until we got some other musicians involved and then it became more of a rock band. Yeah. Do those, uh, the track, cause you have those tracks now, do they, do they sound different than the original ones? Oh, definitely different. In fact, they have, there's two different camps of people who like, you can generally tell who likes what version, mm-hmm. uh, you know, there's the death rock Gothic kids who gravitate towards the original EP because it's all drum machine, one guitar, you know, stripped down type stuff. Heavy synths. Yeah, a lot, a lot heavier on the synths. And then there's the uh, rock band version, which is obviously more rock and metal oriented, which translates better live and to a different. And and we we both have a foot in both worlds because I toured with a I toured with a goth band, well, a few for years, and then Sean, um, he uh, he loves uh, like 1980s pop music. Believe it or not, even though he's played in all these thrash bands, um, so uh, we 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 like the mix of both. In fact, I write more of like pop songs or goth songs, and then the the metal band takes it and it becomes something that's that it's its own thing. Mm-hmm. Do you write all the lyrics? I do. Yeah, actually, except for uh, "All from One" uh, was written by um, my one of the guitar players, Aaron McGuire. So uh, he. Uh, he wrote the lyrics for that one, but generally, for the most part, ninety percent of the time, yes. Mm. Was this the first time you two played together? 
No. It's like, oh. it's like well, Aaron, Aaron and I have played together in various, well, in another band for uh, about 14 years together now. And then um, our guitar player, Taylor, I played with him in a, another horror metal band with, that toured Cuba back in 2012. So that's how I know oh. him. So I got him involved. Uh, the only person we haven't really played with who's who new, not new anymore, but is our drummer, Edward, which he was referred to us by uh, uh, her brother. My brother. Yeah. yeah. And he was just a perfect fit. He understood. As soon as we found out that he loves things like Striper and Oingo Boingo, <laughs> we, we knew we had the right guy. Slayer, <laughs> right? We're like, you're Slayer perfect. Slayer <laughs> and, and 80s pop dance music. Uh, we knew we had the right guy on drums, and it's just an immediate fit. Yeah. What was Cuba like? <clears throat> Hot. Hot. Very, yeah, hot and sweaty. Uh, there's actually a, a very large crowd there who are they are very big into metal, believe it or not. So, uh, yeah, that was that was interesting. Yeah. Well, is it hard to go to Cuba? It's not hard. Well, it's a little easier now. Um, yeah. I mean, back then it was harder. Uh, the guy that headed all that up uh, kind of cut some corners and you know, it was basically they were like yes you can play our festival but you have to get here so yeah yeah so uh what's the name of the new album that's coming out we have a couple of names that we don't know yet we were thinking oh, uh doing a miskatonic democracy because our fans say that uh that our our album takes as long as uh chinese democracy to come out which yeah. is a lie <laughs> We only take about a year to a year and a half to release an album, but they act like it's 10 years. So they always joke with us that we should call our album Chinese Democracy. So, of course, Miskatonic University is Lovecraft's, uh, Lovecraft's invention. But uh, we were actually, we had that tour called The Cryptids and Creatures. So we were thinking maybe, I know putting the cart before the horse, but um, that's more the the vibe of the new album is. Yeah, our drummer Edward came up with that yeah. idea too. He's like, we should maybe maybe we should call the album Cryptids and Creatures, and that's really been sticking with us lately, and it really fits with the vibe of the new album. Yeah, yeah. you know, we're not really doing so much uh, songs about movies on the new album. It's a little different. Mm -hmm. matter, so it fits better. Yeah. How did that tour go? Fun. That was great. It was intense and brutal, but it was fun. We yeah, thirty-five hundred miles in seven days. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> and our destination was the uh, the International Cryptozoology Conference in Portland, Maine. And uh -huh. I've been every year. I, I absolutely love it. They have a lot of scientists and experts in the field, and um, just great personalities and writers. And it's a really, really great conference. Uh, I, I can't suggest it enough. And of course, the weather in Maine is fantastic. So. Yeah, we're going back to visit it actually in April for the yeah. next. We're not we're not playing or performing, but we're going to visit and experience the conference, you know, for fun because it's that much fun and that interesting, you know. Yeah. yeah. So can you just go to it at any time? Oh, uh, anytime they have it. Yeah. Well, the museum is open is open year round mm -hmm. um, in Maine, so you can go to the International Cryptozoology Museum at any time. And the conference. Uh, was generally Labor Day weekend, but I think they're going to change it and move it till April now. So okay. uh, this year it's going to be in uh, going to be in April. Yeah. See, I'm in Massachusetts and I've never even heard of this, so I'm not even that far from Maine. Oh, no. Great. Oh, yeah. it's great. You should come out in April. Yeah, that sounds like very fun. Location too. Mm -hmm. It's right on the water, out on a point where I mean, Maine's beautiful. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's very different from what we're used to. But yeah. Beautiful. Did you? <laughs> 
Did you have a? Well, I'm on Cape Cod, so I'm used to the water. But yeah, did right. you have a? Did you have a favorite? Do you have a favorite cryptid? Well, mine would be the Rubaru, of course, because that's yeah. that's a legend down here, you know, based yeah. out of the swamps, you know, sort of a werewolf type creature. So Sean and I are both big werewolf fans. In fact, we have, I think, three werewolf songs. We're probably going to write more werewolf songs, so we would probably have to say the Loop Guru or the Rugaru, which is the Louisiana swampland uh, cryptid, our own. Uh-huh. Very cool. Uh, my uh, my co-host on my wrestling show is from uh, West Virginia, so. I did see that you visited the Mothman statue. Yeah, that was one thing we did on tour. We wanted to make it a point on tour, especially with our, you know, because we're, our, we consider our bandmates friends as well. It's like we don't just want to work them, work to death. You know, we want to have fun too. So we made it a point to where along the way we need want to stop and visit really cool stuff. So, which is why we stopped in Point Pleasant, you know, on the way to a gig to visit the Mothman. And, and we, we stopped in Sleepy Hollow briefly. They stopped in Salem. And then uh, we like we saw um, we we drove through the Honey Island Swamp, of Honey course, Island on the Swamp. way out of town. Right. Yeah, the local thing. We stopped at a we stopped to see Lovecraft's grave. Yeah, that was uh, that's cool. Brown Poe's grave. So we we made a we made a little vacation out of it too. Yeah, what did you think of Salem? Uh, we didn't get to go. I stayed. We stayed for the an additional day for the uh, oh, okay. conference. But but Eddie and Taylor and uh, Gina, who was helping us out on tour. They stopped in Salem and they had the best time. They they loved it. Yeah, they're actually going to go back for their uh, wedding anniversary, which is uh, right around Halloween. So they're going to oh, go. Wow. They're going to go spend their next wedding anniversary in Salem because of that visit. Because it was so yeah. much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Salem and Halloween is packed. That's what we hear. Yeah, that's what they're going to book now for next year. Uh huh. Yeah. <laughs> I uh, one year, um, Annabelle and I used a Ouija board in Salem on midnight on Halloween night. Nice. Did you get anything? No. <laughs> but it was probably jammed. <laughs> Someone probably... else. Did you get a busy signal? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was. Well, then there was less. There was like a lot of annoying kids around. Well, people are like in their early 20s. And so they probably scared anything cool away. Even spirits don't like annoying kids. <laughs> don't, don't yeah, yeah. Someone else told me they were like, it's. they probably just thought this is too cliche. Midnight Halloween in Salem. They were just like, nah, that's, you know, it's just too okay. cliche, you know. It's not midnight in the spirit world. That's that's central time. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I never heard of the Grunge Road uh, monster until I was listening to your song. Then I looked it up to see what, you know, what the reference was. So uh, why the Grunge Road monster for, for a track? Well, it's, it's such a it's such a great 80s legend and and kind of like the. Mothman and Point Pleasant. Um, you know, I, I interviewed a lot of people and everybody had a different story. Like some people saw um, you know, some people said they saw aliens out there, some people said they saw creatures. And the most famous story is is that they were abandoned children that their parents left them out there and they formed their own community and they would leave something like a goat by the side of the road or so to make people stop, and then they would abduct people on the side of the road, which isn't which isn't out of the realm of possibilities because this particular area is very swampy. It's off the side of the road. Uh, if anybody's ever seen uh, the movie with Nicolas Cage, uh, Protocol uh, New Orleans, New yeah. Orleans, uh, Bad Lieutenant, Bad Lieutenant, Protocol New Orleans. So the scene with uh, the alligator out in the marsh on the side of the road that is that is the area where kind of Grunch Road is known for. So a little bit of trivia there. Yeah. Hmm. 
Yeah, so all kinds of different stuff. And so I decided to take everything that people had told me and what I could glean from online and, and put it all together. But um, those are my favorite, I guess, manifestations or those short-term periods of time where you get a lot of different a lot of different experiences. Um, like I said, I, I just love those stories because to me that's that's extremely convincing that all these people saw something in a short period of time and then it mm -hmm. stopped. So is there a portal? Is there, you know, what what happened for that short period of time for so much paranormal activity? And of course, always the men in black show up afterwards. So you have these kind of like creepy, are they government? Or are they some other agency that shows up and kind of like starts asking questions? So those are my those are my favorite type paranormal slash cryptid stories. Yeah. So I assume this is something you've always been into, uh, cryptids and supernatural stories. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was a lonely kid and like, I, you know, I, I didn't have a whole lot of friends. And I know this is a common story, but, you know, horror movies were my friends from the time mm -hmm. I was about six or seven years old and, and stories. And here's a crazy story. So I grew up next to this kid. Um, we were best friends. Uh, we met and we had, you know, similar backgrounds. So we were, I guess, about, I was probably about 10 and he was probably about seven. And we grew up next door to each other. And then when we became teenagers, we didn't see each other for a long time. Well, what I, the next time I see him, he's super involved in a Mothman group. Now, I haven't seen him since he was about 13 years old. <laughs> and we're all, let's just say, it's been decades since I've seen this guy. And I was like, what are the chances that we grew up next to each other? What happened? psychologically that that was it watching horror movies like what got us into this but we're both into cryptozoology now and it's just weird that i hadn't seen him since he, we were both small but we're both heavily involved in in uh you know cryptozoology horror movies all that kind of stuff so i, I think that's kind of neat yeah definitely i was just googling some stuff here and i have to say uh i didn't notice this came up when i have the 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 image page up for uh, the tomb of nick cage and uh this came up a pet cemetery, human Nick Cage, where you actually have the other uh, pyramid in the album cover. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a dear a dear friend of ours who who's done some artwork for us. He does a lot of artwork for our singles and whatnot. He did that whole piece. So yeah, That's he awesome. He included that into his vision of you know uh, you know our version of that song. Yeah, he's worked with us for a while. He's a local photographer called Kevin P. Johnson. And um, he's done, he comes to a lot of our shows and, and kind of like, he's like the, I guess he's a documentarian for this band. He's been with us since the beginning. Yeah. He did mm -hmm. artwork for, he did the Voodoo Doll t-shirt we just released. Mm -hmm. And then. Which um, seems to be a love. Favorite. Yeah, yeah, I love it. Yeah, we're going to get you one of those. And um, also he did, we did Silver Shamrock, uh, the jingle from um, Halloween, 3. Halloween 3 season mm -hmm. of the witch. So he did a cover for that. Yeah, too. he did the artwork for that as well. Yeah. And that'll be on the new album, right? No, that's just released. No, okay. as a single. Yeah, that's yep. just a single only. Our covers are all. Our yeah, covers we, are all. We we, we yeah, release we, them as singles, so there's no confusion with uh, licensing and all that. Because we, we do we do license them legally, but uh, mm -hmm. it's a different it's a different, different it's a different animal if you include it on a full length album. So yeah. keep things simple. We just keep those completely separate because we got plenty of material. Yeah. we got more than enough material at this point to choose from to put on an album. So. In fact, this is an exclusive I'm going to give you right now, Neil. But we're as soon as we're done with the album and we're close, uh, we're going to start in on a bluegrass EP. <laughs> Just because. Just really? because, yeah. Because our Aaron plays um, cigar box guitar, mandolin, ukulele, harmonica. Taylor plays slide guitar. 
Um, I played upright bass for a while, but I'm not going to be playing bass. Sean's going to play bass for this album, but we were we. Yeah, Aaron, Aaron, Aaron and Kim actually played together in another band briefly. That was a bluegrass band. Yeah, I played upright bass, and he played all kinds of different. So instruments. we figure, why not? What well, just for fun? We're going to do like a you know five, four or five song EP of uh, southern bluegrass. Stuff, I love it. Six yeah. songs based on what we do. The material will be similar to what we write about. Yeah. Uh, just just because for fun, you know, why not? Yeah, we don't we don't feel like, you know, I, I know that we're categorized as horror rock or horror punk, but we don't feel like there we, we, we come from so far so many different genres that we don't want to set boundaries for ourselves. We constantly want to put something out that's kind of like unique and different and we always want to be reaching musically. So we're excited about that. Yeah, I love the idea because you know, I love rock and punk obviously, but uh for horror music that's you know most of it is like horror punk or horror rock. So uh, to have something a little different, I think that's wild. I'm really looking forward to that. And let's be honest. I mean, people like Tom Waits and, and yeah, like we're, that. We're big fans oh, of big like that. Tom, Tom Waits, Waits fan. Yeah. To me, as far as like encapsulating a, a Southern Gothic feel, I think that's maybe kind of like the creepiest you can get. There's like some of the musicians from down here. Um, Dr. John, Coco Robichaux, a lot of those people – they embrace that kind of like voodoo vibe and, and nobody's really doing that down here. And like, we've got swamps and this rich history of like paranormal and, and kind of like really kind of creepy stuff that happens in the South. And nobody's kind of hugging that to themselves. Not right for a now. while. Not since like, yeah. that's just like Dr. John or like you say, Cooper River show, any of that. It's not, really, and this is actually, it's, been, yeah. it's, it's been, it's been embraced here and there by some metal bands and whatnot, but you know, not, not too totally fully immersive right yeah. yeah so so we're excited and like i said we haven't we, we we've gone in a in a kind of like a different visual and and thematic direction and so this is actually the first time we're really talking about it with anybody yeah <laughs> <laughs> i'm looking forward to that, that sounds awesome yeah, and i do like that some of your songs are a little di- even like the the theme song you did for us is a different uh a different feel than some of your other music oh yeah yeah we actually picked up some fun stuff today we went down we call it down down to Bayou, which is way uh-huh. way down south, about about uh, about an hour or so south of New Orleans. Every year they have uh, the Rougarou Fest, which is a weekend long festival all based around the Rougarou, which is a werewolf like swamp creature. So we went down there today to visit them and visit their, uh, you know, their culture, which is a whole different culture from New Orleans. It, it's 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 Bayou, <laughs> you know, yeah. it's true Bayou, but uh, the. the the amount of talent down there and artistry is just amazing. Mm-hmm. And they embrace it. They, they embrace that. Uh, they embrace their, 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 well, it's, it's wetlands conservation as well. Yes. So, uh, you know, if anybody, I don't know if anybody knows, but we're losing our wetlands. It's eroding and it's really kind of like encroaching on, encroaching on the land and the homes and the ecosystem. So um, it's, it's really cool because it's a festival surrounded by a cryptid but that's actually doing a lot of good, a lot of education, mm-hmm. raising money for uh, for wetlands conservation. So we went down there, and there's a lot of artists down there that do Halloween-themed things. They have a huge Halloween parade. A great, um, a great uh, costume contest. Costume must, contest. We must have saw about two dozen amazing witches walking around. Swamp just, just walking around, awesome. walking around town because that's where they're going to do their – you know, costume. Contest. So we let's just put it this way: we went and picked up some props for the show down yes. there that are all handcrafted. <laughs> so it was really neat. Yeah. Speaking of Halloween, do you have uh, plans for Halloween? 
we we work so much during Halloween. It's crazy. So sure. we, have, we actually we actually avoid Halloween because <laughs> the only band well, ever well, that well, we well, do down here in New Orleans. Halloween is such a big deal. Uh, I think New Orleans is considered one of the top cities now for people to visit for Halloween. So it's the way we look at it. There's really no point in playing or really doing much of anything because right. there's so much going on. There's too much. There's, there's just so uh, much every night. There's just so much going on. It's like, we're not going to, there's the, uh, Anne Rice vampire ball happens every year. Yeah. Um, and then you've got, you, yeah, everybody goes down to Frenchman street, but everybody's having parties. Um, Halloween is huge because we're a costume town. I don't know. Um, if so a, lot, a lot of people are having house parties. Yeah. So I don't know. Not get right. house. I don't know if, uh, if, uh, a lot of the Mardi Gras crews have, have, have parties too. Yeah. Like but last, last night was crew, crew to boo, which is basically a big a, Halloween parade. It's a Halloween themed Mardi Gras style parade downtown, but it's all Halloween themed. But costuming yeah. never stops here. Like you could, uh, some friends didn't believe me, and I uh, I took them out on a Tuesday down to Bourbon Street to uh, have drinks at one of the oldest club, uh, one of the oldest bars down here. Supposedly an old pirate hangout. I don't know if that's true or not. But uh, and I said, you know, people costume here year round. And it was like the middle of May or something. And on a Tuesday night at six o'clock, and a guy fully dressed as a werewolf just passes by. <laughs> you know, we all have costume closets here, so. Halloween and costuming is huge down here, but Halloween is so, it's so packed with cool stuff that we just kind of like try to enjoy it as much as possible. I also work at his costume shop, um, selling makeup and stuff like that. So I, I pick up extra hours down there and, and it's just, I, I'm so overloaded. I just, whatever spare time I have, I like to just kind of enjoy things. Yeah. I've actually never been to New Orleans. I'd love to go sometime. Uh well you have a place to stay when you come down here. All right. Excellent. Oh. I'll remember that. I have it on I have it recorded here. Yeah, there Absolutely. you go. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, but back to Silver Shamrock. Like we live in the suburbs, but we are fifteen minutes away from the from, from the action. That's the absolutely action. Right. right. Sounds good. So uh back to Silver Shamrock. Uh I played it uh when I interviewed Tommy Lee Wallace the other uh, week. Uh, the director of, uh, yeah. of Halloween Party. That was a great interview. Great episode. Yeah, well, it, was, it was awesome to talk to him. How, how awesome is Halloween 3? I think it's the best sequel oh my gosh. Halloween movie. Right, people that don't like Halloween 3, I, I don't know. Like, I, Maybe I get judgy if people don't like Halloween 3. Yeah, there's something 3. wrong with them. <laughs> it's, it's, oh, I shouldn't say this, but uh, you know, it, it's a toss-up between between the original Halloween and, and Halloween three that are my favorites. Two different animals. Yeah, two different animals, but uh, but definitely... Uh, have a place in my heart for both of those i agree i definitely think it's the best of the, the sequels and i i probably like the original halloween better but uh they're like you said two different kind of movies yeah i probably enjoy them both both equally yes the only thing that i okay and and, and i shouldn't be saying this is actually the first time i've ever talked about this too but uh -huh. the only thing i don't like about halloween three is the fact that he's a doctor and he just kind of like accepts the <laughs> fact that huh yeah, he's like a detective in the movie. Oh, he's a detective. I thought he was a medical doctor. No, he 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 is, but he just acts like he's a detective. Well, he does act like a detective, and then when he finds out, it's like people are being controlled by their televisions. Which now we would totally be like, okay, that's possible if you had some sort of headset. But I feel like back in the time period, he's like, that's what it is. <laughs> you know, <laughs> if you're a doctor, you'd be like, man, maybe maybe it's, it could be something else. But but he kind of accepts it's pretty pretty blindly, but. But whatever, I, Sean gets on me all the time because uh, I'm I'm a person that's like a, I'm totally into suspension of disbelief. Mm -hmm. I have no problem 
uh, just kind of like buying anything <laughs> because I want to be immersed in a film. So yeah. Sean's got more of a critical mind. Than but I, I have fun with that, though. I mean, I can totally accept, you know, yeah, you know, go with the disbelief thing. But it, but it's also fun to be like, ah, that wouldn't happen. Like that. <laughs> but still, it's fun that they presented it that way. But seriously, yeah, yeah that's that's a great movie. And you know, um, you know, we love They Live too. So yeah, it too. In fact, he really got into talking about how he kind of like pre-saw. Uh, the media and how influential it could be and how negative it could be. He kind of like pre-guessed internet and social media. And, and that was really neat to me because I never really saw that movie through that lens. And if I didn't love it, love it more, I loved it as much as I thought I could love it. And now I love it even more. Yeah. That was interesting on that particular episode to find that out. Yeah. To hear him talk about that. That was, that yeah. was neat. Yeah. That movie's you know, even more topical today than it was when, when they made it. Yes. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. That yeah, that and uh, and they live. I think both of those movies are, are are definitely speak louder now, maybe than than they did. It's amazing how prophetic. And that's what I love about that's what I love about horror is that genre film is maybe sometimes speaks louder and is like more forward thinking than than what you would see in you know regular what, what I hate to say regular films, but you know what is social what is socially acceptable is mainstream film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Roddy Piper, I don't think uh, gets enough. Cra- I think he's the best uh, wrestler turned actor. He's great, and they live. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, totally. I remember seeing that movie as a kid. I didn't know anything about anything or who anybody was. Just seeing that movie, and it, it, uh, it really had a big effect on me because you know because of the whole subject matter. And, you know, years later, just finding out more about it was was uh, was really interesting. And I think he did a great job too. Like that to me, it was like every time I watched it, I was like, this guy is great. He's got great comedic timing. Yeah. is a great actor, you know, and, and I always thought, also thought it was interesting that, you know, he was kind of like an everyman and you don't see that very much, even though he was kind of like a badass wrestler. He's still, he still like resonates with, with all of us. So I don't think, yeah. could, I don't think they could have picked anybody better for that role. Yeah. And for the time, cause I'm a big wrestling fan at the time. He, he was small for a wrestler, uh, but he's a, you know, big guy, but uh, smaller for a wrestler. So, you know, it helped being kind of the everyman. Yeah, yeah it's, a, it's a great movie. And I love your video. I think that might have been the first video of you guys that I saw. Yeah, that's uh, the first. No, okay, so we did do a Nightbreed video, but I was when I, I was brand new. I, I didn't really, we didn't have a direction, and we hadn't even released the EP yet. We hadn't had our show. That was with our original lineup. So you can still yeah. tell I'm a little kind of uncomfortable in that video. But by the time we did the They Live video, we had, we had a kind of like a direction, and we had kind of a feel that we were going for. And I love the green glasses, obviously. Just, I love green and uh, the, the connection they live. They're perfect. Yeah, we had we had to do that. We like we just we have kind of have to. So <laughs> it was too easy not to at that point, you know, come up with our own. Board. And everybody looks good in Wayfarers. Right. Everybody. So wayfarers are always. I, I've never seen anybody that doesn't look good in a pair of Wayfarers. And wayfarers scream '80s. So. Well, right. Yeah. Exactly. And we're highly influenced clearly by the '80s too. So. Uh-huh. So you have, as far as I can tell, you have two uh, Nicolas Cage tracks, Vampire's Kiss and Wicker Man. Uh, also the Pharaoh of New Orleans. Is that, I'll see, so I, I, I didn't know that. Well, that's the inspiration for the Pharaoh of New Orleans? Yeah, New Orleans? Because, uh, he's got a pyramid in New Orleans. Yeah. And um, okay. so it's like the, the whole list of things I have is uh, uh, some of the 
some of the roles that many of the roles that he's gone. Um, yeah, the lyrics of that song in, encompass a lot of his roles, yeah. a lot of his movie roles. So we, we had fun with that. And then a, some, a friend of ours who's a DJ came up with that term. Yeah. So. He actually has a show called the weekend geek in new Orleans. And, um, on one of, uh, it's a, uh, I heart radio show and, and he talks about stuff, but we were talking to him online and he says, yeah, Nicholas Cage, he's a Pharaoh of new Orleans. <laughs> and I immediately stole the the name uh, the album. And then years when after we released the album, he goes, uh, he goes, would you guys like to be on the show? And I was like, heck yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> so he brings us on. And the first thing he asked me is like, so I hear you stole the name of the album from us. Well, we didn't let him know ahead of time. We were like, look, <laughs> by the way, that that is an amazing term, favor of New Orleans. We told we told him that night. It was like uh, it was it was uh, actually at an Alice Cooper show in Biloxi. Mm-hmm. And we told him, like, we, we're totally going to use that. Right. As an album. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're stealing that. It's like, we're in the process of writing an album, and you just you just came up with the best album name that we could, <laughs> better than we could ever come up with. So we're going to use Yeah, we told him we're waiting to steal something else yeah. for the and next Yeah, and he was name. totally great with it and loves it. And yeah, okay with it, so. and actually, that was kind of like a bonding moment for yeah, us. Yeah, he's, he's a very big, he's a dear friend of ours. Yeah. That's awesome. See, that's actually my favorite track. Uh, for you guys, I love like all your stuff, but I don't know. There's something about that song I love, and I didn't know that. Now I'm gonna have to re. I'm even kind of going through my head thinking of that, knowing yeah. that it's about him. Uh, I, I'll have to re-listen and 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 pay more attention to the lyrics. That's sweet. And there's one there's one reference that nobody gets, and it really surprises me. And I think it's uh, moonlighting. Uh, no, no. Um, it's a Moonstruck, Moonstruck, which is like Moonstruck, one of my favorite yeah. movies. And I think he's like brilliant in that film. Yeah. And I have a real quick reference to Moonstruck, but I don't think uh, I don't think people are, are, are expecting that because it's kind of like I haven't actually, like a, I didn't even know that because I, I haven't seen that movie. Uh, I, don't I, admit that yeah, it's I amazing. Know, right? <laughs> I had to ask her about that particular reference, and she's like, oh. yeah, it's one of my favorite movies because he's so um, he's so Nicolas Cage in it, and, it, and it, he's also said that he I think he, he said that he drew inspiration from um, from kind of like Hamlet for that because yeah. I big yeah. the top theater production type type acting style which which i love uh, yeah even the cover now makes uh you know set the yeah. tie into the the tomb of nick cage that's pretty yeah i didn't realize that's awesome another thing about his tomb too is they have to have people come out and wash it all the time because <laughs> women kiss it true story there's a, there's a that says what it is and women are constantly kissing it and leaving their prints <laughs> all so, over the tomb, right? Yeah. Now, in fact, uh, I think it was like such a popular cemetery between him and, of course, Marie Laveau being in there that um, now, uh, you know, it used to be you could just walk through it, and now no, you have to go on a tour. You have to go on a tour. You can't just freely, unfortunately, walk through the cemetery, but but they do have to clean the tomb from time to time. <laughs> have you ever kissed the tomb of Nick Cage? I have not. All right. All right. <laughs> John has it either. But I will, I will take a photo and tag you in it. <laughs> All right, fair enough. Right. Uh, I, <laughs> I was just thinking that, like, you know, I, I have kissed, I have kissed the Blarney Stone, which is many uh-huh. gross, probably germs on that thing. That right, like they don't two, come and watch two in the cage. I can't imagine the germs on that. But I'm gonna go on and take my chance. I'm gonna roll the dice. <laughs> next time I see. Well, I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> I I did a I had a small role in a short film recently and I uh the director told me he looked at me because I I thought it was supposed to be very over the top and he just looked at me and said a little less Nick Cage. Nice. <laughs> nice. <laughs> did you say, sir? That is offensive. 
You can't have too much Nick Cage. <laughs> have, you, have you seen the new movie Mandy? Oh, cool. oh yeah. yeah, I love it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We, yeah. Had lot, we had a lot of fun with that one. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to ask you guys about it. Well, will we ever see a Mandy track? Pause. Everybody's asking. Everybody's asking for a Cheddar Goblin track already. <laughs> that would be pretty good. Yeah. Literally within 24 hours of the release of that movie, I think people were messaging me about a Cheddar Goblin track. So uh, that's probably going to have to happen. Right. It might have to. But that movie, I mean, seriously, the, you know, it was humorous, but uh, I think it was probably one of the most, one of the more darker movies I've ever seen. So it's yeah. got humor. Thank God it's got it's, some humor. It's something it. that requires a, a few more viewings for sure. Yeah. I, I would like to see at least two to three more times before I before I sit down to pin that one. Because I don't know how I feel about it. I mean, I loved it clearly. It's now in my top ten favorite horror movies of all time. But but it, it had a lot of complicated feelings with that film. So I, I can't wait to see it a few more times. Yeah, I've only seen it once. And I loved it too. But I would definitely like to see it again. This is how... Everything ties together because it's yeah. so so weird, obviously, and yeah. uh, and I think they really capture Nicolas Cage. I like the I like the best kind of what you think of Nicolas Cage, but they don't make it like like gimmicky. No. He, it really he really fits perfectly in the movie. Yeah, right. it's it's not. And when he hits that right. switch, you you know he hits that switch. Yeah, right. yeah. Like, it's, it's like oh, he hits like, like, oh, turbo cage it's switch. Like, it's like a regular like, guy, and then all of a sudden, oh, okay, here's where we're going. But you know what? I okay. So the only thing that I would like to have expanded on, and I I don't know that I want a sequel because I think it's perfect the way it is. But when he goes at uh, and, and I guess he goes against the uh, does he gets the sword? What is it? He goes against the weapon. Um. Mm-hmm. Then and and that scene is my favorite, but it's almost like he's been a assassin or something before. Oh because yeah, because nothing yeah. weird about that at right. all. Like oh, when you he know, went to get some advice. From, yeah, yeah, yeah. But he went to go get a weapon. What do you remember? What the I don't remember what the weapon was. Did, well, he makes like a battle axe, but he goes yeah. to get he gets like a doesn't he get a crossbow? I think from yes. the Bill Duke character. Yeah, but it was totally. It was like yeah, exactly. It was completely normal. Uh-huh. relaxed conver- it wasn't a relaxed conversation like i said it was my favorite scene in the whole movie but it was kind of like oh yeah you're here for the crossbow <laughs> yeah <laughs> what, why was you know why was that i want to know the his past now i feel like i need to watch it a few times to see if right. there's any yeah. to to kind of like this past life that this man this this already troubled man has so yeah. uh, it was very dense i liked it a lot yeah oddly enough i asked bill duke cuz i just had him on about that scene, and if he had a backstory to the character, okay. and he said that he said that yeah he he like created a whole backstory in his head about him and the in the relationship with Nicholas's Cage's character, you know, and they had to have known each other prior to yes. all of this. Yeah, that, that, that's what was weird about that whole scene. It's like okay, yeah. what's going on. I man, yeah. how great would it see be to see that movie though? So like so, the backstory yeah. film. So oh, he, wow. he had an idea in his head of, of what the character. Yeah, he said, like, as an actor, you, you know, you, you should always do that. Sure. Um, I think even then, like, even, you know, as a viewer, even if you don't know the backstory, it does have that, that feel to it that there has to be, you know, a backstory to these guys and a relationship. Yeah, yeah. I, and that's that was so cool to me. I, I just was like, because it's inferred. So and it's mm-hmm. exactly what you need to know. And and I, I, I love those scenes where it's just kind of like it, it's like this thing that it just tied the whole movie together yeah, I, I i loved it yeah 
Yeah, it's like kind of almost right in the middle of the movie, too. And it's like, yeah. uh, you know, right before it just goes totally insane. Yeah, right. it's definitely a bridge. It's it's like your last stop of sanity. Semi-sanity was was that scene. And then, and then it's on after that. Yeah. I know some people don't like the first half. You know, they just like, you know, the craziness at the end. But uh, I, I love the whole movie. Yeah, no, I, I, I kind of like the slow burns. Yeah, you can't have one without the other. It it's they kind of explain each other so and it's yeah. to me it's like I, i'm all about tone i like to set a tone musically and i like films to set a tone so if you need 30 minutes to creep me out then take that 30 minutes to creep me out and it was so efficient in doing that you have this creeping dread and those are my favorite horror films the ones that are like they have you so tight on a wire that by the time it lets go it's 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 kind of musical in a way too you you set a tone you set that tension and then you let it go for this mayhem to happen, and I, I don't think they could. I don't think anybody could have done it better. I think it was amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, that same kind of things like in the original Pet Cemetery. I always feel like you just know that these people are damned. You know, they're, like they're yeah. cursed. You know, there's, you know, there's not going to be a good uh, ending to all of this. No, no, and 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 I got to tell you, it's like I'm kind of dreading a Pet Cemetery uh, reboot because, man, that first one. The and and I tell everybody this story. The first time I ever drove a car by myself <laughs> was I picked up my friends and we were all about maybe 16 years old. And I decided that we wanted to go see a movie. And the first time I ever drove a car all by myself was to the theater. And I, and I picked my friends up and we went to the theater and we saw that movie. And I literally don't think I slept right for months. I still, it's the one film. Let me think. I, I can't think of another one. Oh, okay, okay. The Green Mile, <laughs> Pet Cemetery, and the Green Mile are the two movies that, if they're on, I have to turn them off. I, I can't. Yeah, see, I, I can't emotionally the, do it the again. The original Pet Cemetery really scared me to death. I, I still love watching it to this day, and I'm really excited about the new one. I think they're going to go in a good direction with it. I think. I, I don't know. We're split I've only, I've only seen one preview, and uh, I think they might they might do a good job with it. I don't know. I am skeptical because I don't think anything could scare me more than that original. I do like the new church. Oh, I know a lot of people do not. But uh, I don't know, man. I'm a fan of the new church. He he looks like a cat that came out of the ground. Neil, we are a house divided on this. Right. <laughs> yeah. I don't, to me, it's just uh, it, it's like totally unnecessary because I think the yeah. first movie is just like perfect. I don't know how you really improve on anything. Um, I agree. Yeah, you definitely can't improve, but you know. Yeah. I love John Lithgow, so I do too. But yeah. it's, it, but it, but it's like. I love John Lithgow, but you know, Fred Gwynn, I don't know. It's, no, it's no you, can't, you can't do better than Fred Gwynn. No. He was so yeah. creepy. I just, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm skeptical. And like I said, a lot, I think a lot of movies need a reboot. And I don't think that's one of them that does. Yeah, I agree. Because there are a lot of King um, adaptations that weren't that great that you could do again. Or ones that oh, yeah. were never even made. So. Video, yes. I still yeah. think we could get a, I mean, I still think we could get a great stand maybe. Yeah. yeah. Um, that would be so hard. I, I know. I know so the stand long, would be hard. You know, much like the but dark. you know, it they did a great it, they job. With yeah, it. I love it. Yeah, and I love both of the its. So um, I do too. Though, you know, there's a lot of them. I think they need to leave alone. Like I said, uh, but uh, what the else? Thing with, the thing with it, I like both versions. I just think they they're much they're different. They are. Different. So if you remake something or reboot or whatever you want to call it. Uh, if you can't improve on it, you just do a different take on it. Okay, you know the one that I like that everybody um, that everybody doesn't like is I love the remake of Fright Night, but I like both of them. Oh, it was great, yeah. 
Yeah, that's the one that that's Cal- the one that Cal- Sean. I thought like Calipelli, but the hey guy. Yeah, <laughs> you know, uh, I said the show was it. Uh, I thought it was good too. I didn't understand the the hate for it. They did a little different take, like because you couldn't have like the same uh, character, like the old you know horror. Um, a host, because that's not really around anymore. So instead, they made it like a, a TV magician, right. which is more, you know. And even the the vampire was different. Yeah. The, he's more kind of brutal and kind of a you know kind of a jerk. And the first one, he's very charming and you know uh, romantic. Yeah. It's like if you had a passive aggressive vampire, like how horrible is that? Like uh-huh. he's deadly, but he's also pissing you off. <laughs> <laughs> So, so I think Colin Farrell did a great job with that. So that's what that's one of the few remakes that I've horror remakes that I've really enjoyed a lot. Yeah, I liked it too. I think it's really underrated. Yeah, agree. Yeah, and I guess I it, I love the the new It too. It's weird to call that a remake when the other the first one is a uh, TV miniseries. Right. But yeah, I, I like how different Pennywise is because I love Pennywise in the original one. Yeah, but I think in the new one he's great too. It's just a, a different, you know, uh, take on the character. Right. He's much well, more otherworldly, I think, in the new one. Like yeah, he is. He's not really the a human at all. Yeah, looking forward to the next movie for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. The only problem with it was that they they took out the whole uh, idea of their imagination. You know, the kids use like right. uh, his spray as the acid spray, and they didn't have the bike. And yeah, I'm not sure why that was taken out because yeah. But you know, they alluded to the bike, but they didn't make a big production about it, which is kind of a big deal in the novel. So, yeah, and that's how they defeat, you know, uh, Pennywise, and eventually because they have to get back to their childhood and get the imagination back. Right. I don't know. It'd be interesting to see uh, an updated Salem's Lot, but I don't know. I like the original too. Uh, Yeah, I uh, that's one when I was a kid when I'd see the stills and the magazines, like actually would scare me. Especially oh, like the little kid outside the window, like knocking. Like mm-hmm. just that image is very creepy. Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah, that's another one that that lives in my lives in my psyche forever. Is Salem's Lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I think since the King movies have been doing so well, they could do like a stand, you know, and just have it in like three parts or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it'd be great if they did it. Yeah, yeah, I I would really like for them to do a. Uh, uh, the mistreatment to it where they changed the ending though. I, I feel terrible saying that, but, uh, mm-hmm. but I, I think re- even, yeah, I think even Stephen King says he liked the ending better in the movie. Yeah. Yeah. yeah the yeah. mist was yeah, great. For the mist, he said, yeah, the ending, they, they totally nailed it. And mm-hmm. in fact, whenever I'm feeling down and hopeless, I think about the, the mist film, about <laughs> how things can always get better. <laughs> <laughs> right. Or worse. For me, it was yeah. like, yeah, right. Exactly. But, uh, but I would like to see a stand where, I mean, it's my favorite. It's my favorite King book, but my least favorite King ending. Yeah. So I would like to see them do something more, more creative to the ending. It's like, not to not to say anything bad about Stephen, sure. but Stephen King, but uh, but I think uh, the ending was was wanting for me. Mm-hmm. Although, I, and I got to say, the Dark Tower ending was my favorite. Yeah, a lot of people that, argue about that. Favorite, favorite, no spoilers on that. Yeah, that's but, my personal favorite series of books. I know a lot of people didn't like the ending to that particular series of books, but I, I thought it was absolutely perfect. So I would like to see an adaptation of that, but I, I think that it's that would be extremely difficult to do. Well, they, they, I think they're going to do a series. Yeah, yeah, the movie that they did, I, I enjoyed it. I know a lot of people were upset about. I liked it, it too. I, think, I never read the book though. Yeah, they did a great. They did a great they did job the of uh, right. consolidating. I mean, because I mean, the, one of the first things you see in the movie is from book five, 
which at first you're like, that's kind of weird. But but in the idea of a 90 minute movie, it it made perfect sense, you know. Mm-hmm. But those are things you don't see till book five. But uh, yeah. Yeah, I've, like I said, I never read the book, so I, I know like my brother loved the book, so he didn't like the movie as well. But right. it's it's one that I haven't read, so I didn't have anything to gauge it. Against. Yeah, so again, no spoilers. It's a, but it, it, it's a it's a commitment to read that. But I mean, te- yeah. technically, there's actually eight books because he really yeah. eight one. But I didn't read that. It's really no point. And once you read the seventh book, the, I mean, the way the seventh book ends, it's you can't go anywhere from there. It's, in my opinion, it's the best uh, king ending there is because. King kind of known for some of his endings, not you know, kind of being sudden, right? <laughs> a bit quick. It's like all this story, 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 and all of a sudden it ends. It's like, oh, well, okay. <laughs> yeah. Neil, have you have you read anything by his son, Joe Hill? No, I haven't. Oh, he's great. I got to tell you, it's a different vibe, but mm-hmm. um, this the storytelling is fantastic. So uh, I I, I got to put it. I, I've just gotten into his work recently, and I'm kind of in love with it right now. Well, I'll have to check that out. Uh, do you have any uh, certain ones to recommend? Um, he he did one called Nosferatu, which is probably his most popular work. He did a, a follow-up. We did some prequels in graphic novel form. Um, and I'm starting... Oh, he did... Um, what was the movie with... Horns. He wrote Horns. Oh, yeah, Horns. Okay. Yeah, he was the author of Horns. And uh, I'm working on one right now called Heart-Shaped Box um, about a guy that gets a, uh, a haunted piece of clothing. So it, he's definitely got some really unique um, directions in horror that are that are very kind of like uh, well thought out. So uh, I, you know, I, I think I think that he's he's going to be really up and coming, and I, I'm excited. So. Yeah. Did Did you know that he was the kid in uh, in the wraparound story on the Creep Show? I actually read that today. Believe it or not, I, oh, read, wow. that, I read that this morning. Because I, I woke up and uh, I turned the TV on, Creep Show was on, so it had been so long since I've seen it. So I was like, well, "I'm an IMDb, just read some trivia and you yeah. know, fun facts about it." And uh, that fact actually came up in IMDb this morning. I read that. Yeah, we were he's, watching Creep he's, Show he's, today. Yeah, right? he's, actually, he's actually the kid in the movie. So yeah, yeah, I love Creep Shows. One of my favorite movies. It's the first VHS tape that my mom bought me. Oh wow! So so it has a special place. But yeah, I, I love it. I still have the the clamshell here. The tape is actually worn out and doesn't work, but nice. I saw the clamshell box. But I, I didn't know till I interviewed Tom Atkins and he brought it up. And I there's a, a meme going around now of Tom Atkins saying he doesn't, you know, I don't give a shit or whatever about what people think of Halloween three. And he said that in an interview I did with him. And oh. I, I don't know if if people took took that quote out of the and put it in the meme or, or what, but. Yeah, well, again, I feel important. Now. Awesome, so you know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but that would be really cool. That would be cool if uh, if that was the origin of that viral the, now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, oh, by the way, did you ever see the black and white version of The Mist? I have not. No, I know it exists, but yes, I yeah, it's it's great. There's a the special edition DVD or Blu-ray, I'm not sure which was, and has a black and white um, version, and. Uh, it's like a totally different movie. Kind of has like a '50s sci-fi movie uh, vibe to it. Oh, that's cool. We get to rewatch it for a different experience. I'm excited. Yeah, yeah. That's how they originally wanted to put it out, but like I guess the studio said, you know, you can't put out a black and white movie. Yeah, going back to connecting the dots with the whole dark tower thing. That's one. Yeah. Of, that's what you see in the very beginning of the film. Uh, he, you know, he's a movie poster uh, creator, and the artwork that he's working on at the beginning of the film is 
is the main character from the Dark Tower, which uh, I, 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 being a big yeah, fan really. of that, I that was you and know, I think that, blew, Sean, that blew my mind. Sean's got a Dark Tower leg piece, yeah. tattooed on him, and I think it was inspired by it was the that, very it, beginning it, it of it the was Mist. That same, it was that same poster. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the same poster from the yeah. very beginning of the Mist. So uh, that's a little trivia about Two in a Cage there about Sean's tattoos there. So yeah, that's very cool. Uh, do, uh, do you have any that? Do you have any uh, movie tattoos? Uh no, I have a I have a tank girl tattoo and I have a Wolverine tattoo wearing a Punisher shirt. So I guess that would be uh, I guess that would be my my closest film Close, tattoos. Yeah. Oh, Sean's got a howling tattoo. Yeah, dude. Oh, really? Yeah, well, he's got a wolf cool. howling. Werewolves. Yeah. 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 Well, you said you love werewolves. So, what are some of your favorite werewolves? Howling is an howling. Is probably up there. Yeah, um, I think they look the coolest. I, I, I'm kind of in love with werewolves where they keep the kind of like big, long ears. I think they look cool. Um, my other, some of my favorite werewolf transformations, I guess, in film would be, uh, um, would be uh, Hemlock Grove. Have yeah, you they, seen that? They did a great job with the transformation. Oh, the, uh, the Netflix show. I've not watched yeah. it. No. Yeah, the transformation concept for that was really great. Yeah, and then we recently saw rewatch. Well, we recently watched. I hate saying that we watched for the first time, but we did. Um, was a uh, trick or treat. And yeah. I think oh, the I love it. Transformations trick, in that trick or treat. Yeah, trick or treat. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. The werewolf transformations in that, of course, are awesome. And the lead up to that, of course, I think it's like the whole kind of like uh, lead up to the werewolf sequences is one of my favorites as well. And yeah. I, you know, I like the ginger snaps movies too. I thought that they were great. Another, another couple underrated films there that I thought were good. Mm-hmm. So, but maybe I identify, maybe I want to be a girl werewolf. So <laughs> maybe I identify with those. Yeah. I know it's cliche, but I, I, I love the transformation of American werewolf in London, but I actually don't really care too much for the werewolf. Cause I like the uh, werewolf. That's like uh, on two legs. Yeah, me too. Yeah, yeah. Okay, absolutely. so this is another piece. Um, of, yeah, this is something else we did too, and I don't know if you've heard this, and if you haven't, I have to send it to you. But we did uh, with Jason and the Krugers, you know, from also from Louisiana. One of the first projects we did was a split, uh, a split EP with those guys. Did I? Did, did you ever get a copy of that? Uh, with, I don't believe uh, so. Under the Wolf Moon. Under the Wolf Moon, but it was no based on the Howling franchise, which actually includes. Uh, Chaw, the original version, the original of, version of Chalk Marks, which on, on our main album is very rock and metal, but this particular version uh, was with very our dancing. old lineup, so it's very keyboard-driven, synthy yeah. dance. It's a, it's a different vibe. But we did we did a um, we did a song about the transformation scene, and the theme of it was is that uh, Johnny Hopeless from Jason and the Krugers was the boyfriend on the other end of the line. And I was, of course, um, D. Wallace's. Ki- was it wasn't D. Was it wasn't D. Wallace? Was it in the I, first I, one? Yeah. Yeah. In, in the room, no, it was somebody else because she lives at the end. But it was somebody else in the room when the transformation is happening, and the transformation in, in the Howling takes so long that there's no reason she couldn't have just stepped over him and run <laughs> out the door. But she sits there on the phone for a good 15, 20 minutes. Of course. So we did a song about that, about how like. You know, why don't, it's like so gross, I can't turn away. And it's like, and then the, the boyfriend is like, why don't you just leave? And she's like, oh, I no. can't look away. I can't look away from this. So uh, it was kind of like what might have been going through her mind when she was visualizing this, when she was watching this transformation. I like that. It's a weird little song, but I was like, that's the weirdest part of that movie that it's like, clearly he's writhing in pain. Like, she's so. <laughs> 
paralyzed by fear that she doesn't just leave, but she lets him fully transform and then murders her. So yeah. uh, I believe she was killed at the, yeah, killed in that scene. But yeah, so it was like such a weird scene. But uh, but yeah, so we wrote a song about that. <laughs> Are there any signs about the marsupials? I think that's is that the third one. Well, they have, the, I think it's what, like five, part five or something. Yeah, part, maybe it's part five. Right? Yeah, so I, think, I think I saw that one night on uh, Up All Night with Rhonda Shear and uh, <laughs> and uh, Gilbert Gottfried one night. No, we did uh, we did uh, your sister's a werewolf, Steerba bitch, which yeah. is the original name of that one. Which is, you know, Christopher Lee kind of saves it because I hate saying yeah. it. It was pretty bad. Yeah, but um, because it's so genre confused, it's like, well, she's a witch, but she's a wolf. <laughs> but she's got a cult. I don't know. And they have to. So anyway, so the, the so your sister's a werewolf is about that one, which is a uh, yeah. I think is uh, the third one in the in the series. And then we did the one where it was kind of like um. And then there were none by Agatha Christie, where they all go to the castle, and that was chalk marks. That was that's what that song was about, uh, where they like get knocked off one by one by a werewolf, but you don't know who it is. Mm-hmm. Um. Could you tell us about Spookalalies? About like uh about the uh or the the, uh, the the auction we're doing or the yeah 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 the auction uh, and yeah um we're so uh I'm with a group called the Louisiana Modified Dolls and what we are we're piercing tattooed women that do um charity work kind of kind of dispel that kind of like um stereotype about girls that are like have tattoos and piercings and stuff like that so we do charity group charity work out in the community. So right now we're working with Ukulele Kids Club, and uh, they provide musical instruments to children in hospitals all over the country. So right now we're doing a uh, a painted ukulele auction that I got from a bunch of local. Well, actually, uh, Swear Wolf from Florida did one, um, but a lot of like a uh, horror horror kind of like uh, artists, and uh, I guess like a, I have a pinstriper and somebody that does Mardi Gras costumes. So they've designed all these, and that auction is actually going to end tonight. Um, and all that, all the proceeds are going to go to ukulele kids club. That's very cool. Yeah. Yeah. So how, how did you get involved in that? Um, you know, I, I, uh, kind of had like some, believe it or not, I was between bands and had some free time on my hands and Sean went out to a club and he, and, uh, he saw these girls there that were doing a, uh, a charity event at a local rock show. And he said, these girls look like, uh, like somebody you would you would get along with, you know. And so I was like, "Why? Well, I, I really got nothing going on." So I went out and met them, and I was really intimidated at first. And uh, they were so cool and and really giving. And um, we don't do it; we're not as active as we used to be. But uh, but we're still trying. To, I still try to do as much work in the community as I can, just to give back. And I do a lot of horror feel themed things. Uh, we've had fire breathers and sideshow and. Um, uh, I guess suspension artists, all that kind of stuff, um, to kind of dispel stereotypes against, I guess, like fringe type people that we do charity work to, and we're awesome as well. We can, we yeah. can't, we can do work in our community too. That and it, it demystifies charity because a lot of people think you got to go to this weird banquet that's one hundred and fifty dollars a ticket to do work in your community, and you don't. You can do volunteer work. You could, you can raise money for charity, and and it doesn't. You can be anybody and do that. Mm-hmm. So, uh, uh, how about Wolfman Chuck? Uh, did, uh, didn't you do something with him recently? We did. Uh, gosh, Wolfman Chuck is amazing. He put yeah, on a show cool. for us. Um, 
recently in uh, Providence, Rhode Island, and he put together his, uh, I, I think it was his uh, third annual uh, Wolfman Chuck Rock Show. And we got to play, we got to meet with the coolest bands. There's a band called Mortar Hawk that I think is relatively new. And uh, they the were Negans. awesome. The Negans. The Negans were fun. They all dress up like Negan. I mean, come on. How awesome is that? And then, of course, Wolfman Chuck. I, have you ever seen his show? I've not seen him live. Another person I've known for years uh, through the show, and I've not uh, not made it out to see. It's it's bonkers. It is so amazing. Very, very gory. Very gory. Oh, it's it's completely, let's just say it's completely immersive. Um, and and he he fully commits himself to to the horror rock genre. Yes. Uh, he puts on a full show and uh, he's kind of like, I call him the big daddy of horror punk because he kind of brings everybody together, you know, and, and he's always doing compilations and, and working on different projects. And he's so involved that uh, he's, he's kind of like a, um, I don't know, man. He's, he's kind of like an anchor for the scene. I, I love yeah, Chuck. Totally. <laughs> yeah. Totally. Yeah. what. How did how do you like uh how did you even know about him you know uh you know being in New Orleans and he's in New England just through the internet I guess about Chuck I don't really know I think, how I think we met online uh, yeah through the band basically yeah and uh or or maybe maybe through um you met you, Jason and the Krugers might have introduced us I don't know the first yeah, you, time I met Chuck yeah, but you, you met Chuck first online. but but he's one of those guys that that everybody knows Chuck because yeah. I think he's involved and he's present in the scene and. And, you know, it's such a kind of like a niche market genre type scene that everybody kind of knows everybody. And he's kind of like a, uh, like I said, he's kind of like the anchor. Yeah, I mean, he's so great. Like like we, we told him we were going on tour, you know, touring New England, which we don't know anything about New England. He totally put that show together for us so we could play. Right. You know, he, he there wasn't a show going on that night. but he, It was a Sunday before Labor Day, it too. It was Sunday before Labor Day, so it kind of was a holiday, but, you know, it still was a Sunday so he he threw together that whole show so that just so we that we we would have a place to yeah. play, which was beyond amazing. And for all the bands to come out and and support us, yeah, it was it was fantastic. I got to tell you, it's like a lot of people complain about their scenes, but we've experienced nothing on tour but love and camaraderie and support, and you know, a bit different from what we know down here. Well, I mean, sometimes yeah. we have we have great punk. We have a great, we have really good. We have a good family down here. But yeah. but on tour, like it could be a Tuesday night, and people were like, "Yeah, we'll come play with your band." Yeah, and I'm like, "That's amazing to me." So it's really kind of like, really kind of like energized me to keep going and and keep doing what I'm doing. So uh, I gotta I have owe a debt of gratitude to everybody we encountered when we were out on tour. Yeah, mm-hmm. not nothing, yeah. Any- nothing like our scene here <laughs> so is it is it is it, is it different there like if people aren't uh, as supportive well it's not that it's a bad thing it's just uh it's it's very like, like what we do is not done here let's just put it that right way. <laughs> yeah we don't we definitely the only people doing what we do here yeah uh down here if you know mainstream it's your funk and your blues of course which everybody knows and then, then there's the hardcore metal scene um you know which a lot of people like to sound like other bands that have yeah. that have gone beyond the area. So kind of when we first came out, people were like, "What is that?" <laughs> like, like, like the punk kids aren't sure about us because we're a little too metal. Then the metal kids aren't too sure because we're a little too punk. But then we got some keyboards. Sin, sin right so it's exactly. like you know, uh, it's a little a whole different everything going on. So and you know, yeah, exactly. The people that but, but the great thing about that 
is the people that get it really get it. Yeah. And that's what's important. Yep. You know? So we have we have a good support group here. I'm not going to talk too bad. Right. No, no, no. Yeah. I like that, though, because uh, I think, like, even in horror, people get too, like, wrapped up in genre. Like, yeah. you yes. know, if this is what is alien, a horror movie or a sci-fi movie. And it's like, well, why does it even matter? Like, right. if you like it, you like it. Like, if if it's science fiction, do you like it less now all of a sudden? You know, it's I, uh, I don't really understand what the difference is. That's another reason why we want to do a bluegrass EP, because we're not really supposed to do that. Yeah. So we're going to do it. Although... Yeah. Not unheard of either no, you know not unheard of so sure, but. but um but yeah it, we just to us it's like this is a, a a vehicle for us to be creative in a family and and uh just kind of and i told the guys i was like anything goes whatever y'all want to do let's do it you know if you can you know our band has two rules have fun and no drama yep other than that everything goes if you got an idea we'll do it if you, yeah. you want to do one song in a particular genre, we'll do it. Whatever you want to do, you know. That polka song you've always wanted to do, yeah. let's do it. We'll, we'll make it happen, <laughs> you know, because we want everybody everybody in our band, we want them to have creative input. You know, it's not like, you know, this is it and it's a bunch of hard guns type action. We don't, we don't. Yeah, I, like I send a bare bones track to people and I was like, all right, blow it out. And they right. do, they blow the roof off of it every single time. It's never what I send them. It always turns into something else. Right. So I love that about them. Send a very skeletonized demo via email mm. to the band members and do it, take what you do and add it to this and turn it into something else. And that's how it works. Yeah. Yeah. Now, we mentioned a few of the, uh, the different artwork, but uh, I always love like all your, uh, your merchandise, the shirts, the, so the, do you always have the same person like design them or is it different people? No, we have, we've been working with three a, different people. For our shirts. Yes. Yeah. Three different people. Um, one is, a. Uh, Steve Williams, uh, who was like, no, I think Steve, he goes, Steve, what style? Steve, what style? He goes by 504, what style? He's been a, uh, punk poster artist. Um, he designed our original logo. Yeah. Down Steve. here for years. I've he, known him since I was 18 years old. Yeah. He's the first guy we worked with actually for an official logo. And he's going to be, he's going to be doing a new shirt and sticker design for us soon. But yep. we got him. And then, um, of course, Kevin Johnson, who the weird thing is, is before we even played our first show, he contacted me on Facebook and he's like, I see you guys have a show. Can I come out and take photos? And I was like, yeah, but you know, meet up with me and I'll give you tickets. And I want to at least give you merchandise in exchange for, coming out and pho photographing the show. And we immediately became like best friends. Like yeah. I love Kevin. So uh, Kevin comes out to all of our shows and he's done a lot of our logos, like the voodoo doll, pet cemetery, uh, silver shamrock. Um, and then we have a new guy we've been working with called Joshua Dartes, who is chatter skull art. And he's the one that did the, um, priestess, design. the priestess design in front of the oh, tomb. Came out really nice. Yeah. yeah. He's, he's fantastic. He's uh, just started working with rock bands and, Within the year, gonna do the. Yeah, we're, we're Sean and I are gonna do a synth EP too. We're gonna kind of like it's gonna be a. Uh, yeah, he already did that, but he's also doing the. The working title is Kim Trails and the Tonk Wave because we want to go back to what we were doing originally and just we want to have two different projects and one is just gonna be the uh, kind of like synthy stuff like more dance tracks. So he's gonna do the EP cover for that. So uh, yeah, That's we're nice. definitely working loyally with three different people right yeah. now, and we couldn't be luckier. I mean. I, I just I don't know what to say. I can't I can't be flattered. There's, there's I'm a lot so flattered. Of, there's a lot of talent down here. Yeah. To to work with. For mm -hmm. sure. Yeah. Uh, I love the work shirts too that you guys wear in the uh That's my on the photos. 
Yeah. And that was done by that was done by uh, Steve Wetzel. Yeah, that's his logo. And yeah. like, when we're coming up for a concept for a band. It's like, well, we want to look we want to look like a band, but we also yeah. want, we also want to be comfortable. And my yeah. thing is like, there's nothing more comfortable than a dicky shirt. Uh-huh. So we get the shirt and we'll have it embroidered and. Yeah, I'm the one. I'm I'm the one that's committed to the uncomfortable costumes. Yeah, they get too comfortable. I can yeah. my butt off. How long does it normally take you to get ready for for a show? Um, if you're talking about my my hair alone, well, I gen- yeah, I generally need assistance with that now because the mohawk is so big that mm-hmm. if I'm going to go commit to full mohawk, uh, it takes about an hour because it's so tall now that I can't even reach the top of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But uh, we're, I'm thinking about doing something new, but we'll see a new look. But um, I, I because down here in the humidity, okay, when we played in Maine, my hair was perfect. But down here in the humidity, I'm literally, I think, one of the only one the only person that does a death hawk hair yeah, <laughs> because it melts in the heat. Yeah, immediately. So right, so it, it takes me about an hour to get Man, ready. Like right? I don't know what the temperature is where you're at right now, but right here right now it's it's what 75 yeah. degrees almost and if you've seen the photos i i do a full victorian dress morning dress and veil and mm. uh it's, it's generally over 100 degrees here so uh so that's a commitment too so i'm melting yeah. only by <laughs> five minutes into the set <laughs> yeah it's a 47 here according to the oh, phone gosh. <laughs> it's a cool day here but generally it hovers see, right around see, 90 see, i'm okay up, up until 50 once it get, once it dips below 50 that's when i get uncomfortable and cool <laughs> yeah, we have, I would like, say once it gets under 20 for me i think yeah, okay. yeah we have uh, we have friends of ours up in maine that want us to want us to move up there and they keep tagging us in these houses that are clearly haunted yeah and uh-huh. <laughs> they're very cheap I was like i've seen what happens when you move into these homes but yeah so we would love to move out there but the fact of building a fire in sub-zero weather is... Yeah, we, we went there one year for my birthday. I don't know if we could handle that. Yeah, we went there one year for my birthday in January. And uh, Portland, Maine in January is is not a comfortable place. It snows about once every five years here. Five to ten years. Yeah. Pitiful snow. Yeah, I have a friend uh, who I grew up with, and he lives in uh, Maine, way up in the woods somewhere. You know, and he has to have a generator because three months throughout yeah. the year they usually have no power. So, wow. you know, I said, so yeah, that's that's too cold for me too. And his house <laughs> is probably haunted because I, we watch movies yeah. and <laughs> yeah. Well, if you're in the woods in Maine, it's going to be haunted. It's good. It's good. You got ghosts. Yeah. <laughs> We're from New Orleans. I think that that's going right. to be everything's haunted in yeah. New Orleans. Oh, do you know that? Like when they sell apartments in the French Quarter, they're listed as haunted or unhaunted. Really? That's awesome. It's it's hung on a sign outside the apartment. So it, right when you pass by, you can see if it's to let, and then if it's haunted or unhaunted. So, uh, yeah. So I, I know we're talking big about Maine oh, when yeah. clearly everything is 50%. You got a 50% chance of poltergeist. So. Yeah. Well, I don't, I'm not really a guy who believes in ghosts and stuff, but earlier today I posted on my Facebook, I was watching uh, television, and I heard this pop. And the uh, I have uh, my uncle's ashes on the mantle with his uh, his glasses on top, and his glasses just flew off of the ashes. Oh dear! Was like, it was very it was very weird, and so I like I thought maybe something fell off the ceiling, but I looked around and didn't see anything. It was very bizarre. Yeah, I'm a I'm a skeptic myself, yeah, but uh, same here. Right. So I but you know I also don't go looking for I've, it. I've, you know? I've seen some things and heard some things, but I'm also like it doesn't bother me because I don't. I don't look for well, it. I no, I don't really care much about it. And also. your mind is automatically going to look for a reasonable explanation. Yeah. So, so I, I I like it that way. And my thing is like whatever it is it is, and if if it is that, 
my personal thing is that it's it's an imprint of something that once was. It's not the actual right thing or person. So whatever. And I don't know. I just don't want to see anything staring at me from the corner of my bed. That's oh, all I yeah. want. I I don't want that. Yeah, I love all your uh, videos, especially some of your recent ones. Um, do you have any plans to do videos for for the new album? Oh yes. yeah, we have some many 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 fun ideas in store for uh, especially for the new vibe of the album subject matter yeah. wise uh we got something that's a little uh it's gonna take some some work but i think we can make it happen yeah we're gonna have different location we're actually gonna go out on location for these and yeah. hopefully have some fires and explosions and stuff like that so <laughs> yeah so we're, we're looking forward to it well, but it's- our, our drummer works in the movie industry he's he's actually he's, a, he's actually an effects guy he's a yeah. blo- he's a blood guy we call him the blood guy because he, he does all the <laughs> He does a lot of blood for a lot of horror movies, believe it or not. He just so. got off the purge. He left the purge oh, wow. right on tour, yeah. so um So he knows he knows what he's doing as far as that, that sort of thing goes. So yeah, we're gonna have some fun with that. Nice. Yeah. I know the last stuff you did, it really has a high production value. That they look great. Yeah, we, we're really lucky to have people that um that wanna work with us that uh that are that get it. Yeah, that get it. Yeah. Our, 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 well, our producer Lewis, uh He's also he he did a, some of our video work as well because he does his own video work for his own projects. So he really knows what he's doing, and we've known him for twenty five plus years at this mm-hmm. point. So yeah. he totally gets our vibe. So you know that's why. And also with uh, Rylea, we worked with uh, Arvid Christina, yes. um, who who is amazing, and we're going to work with him again very soon yeah. as well. So hopefully our next video will be combining the two. We'll have. You know, one work on one part of the video, another work on another part of the video, and then combine them together because both of their visions are fantastic. Yeah. They 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 both get each other and they get us. So we want to try to kind of incorporate everybody's uh, creative input for that. Yeah. So what is it about Lovecraft that interests you? I, I have to be honest, I've not read any Lovecraft. My brother's a huge fan. Lovecraft is dense. I'll be really honest. A lot of people love Lovecraft. Um, to me, I'll be really honest. I like the general mythos that he created of kind of like some sort of celestial madness. And I like what I like what's trickled down from that into popular culture now. Um, my drummer, I've read a lot of his short stories, of course. Um, Rylea was uh, Rylea was heavily inspired by uh, the New Orleans uh, or the Louisiana Cthulhu cult, but. Um, I don't know. I, I just like that idea of like something that could cause everybody to go crazy. And I think maybe in modern times it's more pertinent than before because I think maybe that's where we are right now. But <laughs> yeah. uh but um but yeah, Lovecraft reading Lovecraft is extremely dense and I'm not going to say that it isn't. Uh it, I think he's more dense than Poe. And his short stories are a little uh I call it uh what is it the the uh surprise chipmunk at the end because sometimes he ends it and you're like dun 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 <laughs> but um, but yeah I, I I love Lovecraft for what he's left left us with is to work with mm-hmm. uh, and what's in the in the uh I guess the um oh what's the word I'm looking for the 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 consciousness the horror consciousness now yeah I guess I'm kind of like that myself because I like all the the imagery of Thulu and I yeah. love Reanimator and stuff like that. Yeah. I've just not read the uh, the stories. People have, people have run with it. Um, uh, Josh Mallerman, I believe, wrote a book called um, called The Bird Box, 
which you can tell is probably inspired by uh, the Cthulhu mythos. And then um, there's another book, I think it's called 14. There's all kinds of these great new novels that are coming out. Or even when you watch films, something like, um, was it The Beyond that just came out? That you could tell kind of like maybe it was like draws from that. So I think what he left was was, was it was a rich, a, a rich mythos to work with in modern day. Mm-hmm. So I, now they're here, I want to, uh, I thanked you before, but the huge thanks for the theme song. I love it. And I've had so many compliments on it. Uh, people, a lot of people say it sounds uh, like Alice Cooper. So, uh-huh. uh, That's like just, the best compliment yes, I could get. We, we love that compliment. Yeah, yeah. Alice Cooper to me, there's none higher than Alice Cooper. That's, that's kind of what we aspire to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's, yeah. he's my biggest inspiration. Yeah. Oh, wow. That, oh, well, I didn't ask about that. So your inspirations, uh, Alice Cooper, definitely one of them. Who, who else would be would be there? Alice Cooper's my biggest inspiration, but I will tell you, the band that we get compared to the most is 45 Grave. Um, and I, and a lot of times... Sometimes Plasmatics. Sometimes the Plasmatics, L7. It depends on... Uh, you can kind of gauge how old someone is, depending on their... Uh, Right, their description and connection. But but I grew up with uh, I love old school uh, old school. I mean the Misfits, of course, but old school. I love hair rock. I love uh, post punk. I love gothic music. Um, I love Megadeth. So it's it's pretty much everything. I, I run the gamut. But if I had to pick one that encapsulates everything, Alice and as Cooper. far as his stage show and his heart, it would be Alice Cooper for sure. And, and, you know, but like I said, the, the band that we get compared to the most is 45 Grave, which is also a, a high compliment for me. Mm-hmm. How about Sean for yourself? Uh, what are some of your influences? Uh, 80s synth pop, believe it or not. That's a huge influence on me. And uh, thrash metal. I love, I'm always a big fan of that. And um, uh, really stuff that grooves, you know, mm-hmm. stuff, stuff with groove and heart to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 80s synth pop and uh, metal. And Sisters of Mercy is a big one for yeah, me, for huge, huge one for me. That was a that was a life changing band right there, because um, they they knew how to incorporate both uh, you know synth elements and rock. You know they were, they didn't consider themselves a gothic band. They were considered themselves to be a rock band. You know, mm-hmm. so you know that that concept and idea is really big with what I enjoy. We love Oingo Boingo. We're all every single one of us is Oingo Boingo fans. Adamant fans. Um, industrial music. We're big fans yeah. of. Indu- I'm a personal fan of Rammstein. Industrial music. We've flown sure. all over the place to see Rammstein play. Yeah. <laughs> so it's all over the place, essentially. And uh, and, Al- and Alexander Marcus. If, anybody, if no one knows, <laughs> if no one knows who Alexander Marcus is, please, please look him up and educate yourself because uh, he's a weird German huge, producer. Huge, right? huge fan of that guy. That guy is, is a Agreed. genius, in my opinion. A lot of people I know will disagree. But, yeah, uh, he's a he's a weird German pop guy, so uh, very surreal. That's our big Alexander Marcus fan. Yes. I'm going to Google him after the show. One, one day we would like to be fortunate enough to see him perform in in Berlin because he performs around Christmas time, around Krampusnacht, you know, uh, around that time of year. But uh, we'll see if it ever happens. Yeah. Which you did a song about last year for Christmas. Yes, which will be on the album. That one's going to be on the album. Yeah. Oh, that's perfect. Because well, yeah, it ties why, in. Why not have a black metal uh, song on the album? And we, okay, so we write in the studio a lot, and everybody thinks that's nuts, but we do. 
So I told the guys, I was like, you guys have. You told Taylor. Yeah. Because Taylor, Taylor is very familiar with a lot of the heavier black metal stuff. Yeah. So I said, you guys have 30 minutes so, to lay down a so, black metal song. And I was joking, half joking. And do you know that they did Yeah. It? So we told Taylor, say, hey, write a riff. We're going we're gonna to write a song around your riff. And we're going to build this black metal song. And we're going to write it about Christmas. And it's going to be about Krampusnacht. And we did it in a Boom. couple hours, and it, yeah, it happened. made it happen. So, yeah. I think we came back for a second session to lay down the vocals, but oh, the music yeah, was course. done within like thirty to forty minutes. He's like, "I got you. I know what to do." So right. I was like, "Okay." It's pretty wild that people are starting to know like uh, about Krampus in the last few years. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely become more mainstream. I think uh, the movies have a lot to do with that for sure. Yeah, oh, Krampus yeah. parade here in New Orleans. Yeah, we it's, it's very new. I think uh, last year was the first second. one, or second last year was the second mm-hmm. one. So mm-hmm. now we actually New Orleans has its own uh, Krampus parade every year. Oh, nice! Down yeah. in, in the I, I did. I played Krampus in a video for the for the website about seven years ago. So. Yeah. I, uh, before everyone's talking about them, so I like to take credit for, for the rise of Krampus. That's fantastic. <laughs> yeah, it's it's not the best uh, rendition of Krampus, but, well, you, but, have, but it's you have to link us to that. It's all about it's all about the idea. <laughs> you know, yeah. The I, I, yeah, I will I will send you a link after the show. Please so do. Where can people uh, follow the Tomb of Nick Cage? Uh, we are on. You can go to www.tombofnickcage.com. That'll, that'll link you to everything. All that'll link you everything. Media. But we're on everything. We got Facebook, uh, Instagram, Twitter. Um, we got a few things up on SoundCloud, but not much. We're starting to do some more live feed type stuff. Yeah, we're going to start doing live stuff feed. Stuff that's fun for us, but like we've kind of been avoiding the live feed because everybody does kind of the same live feed. Where it's like, here, this is me. This is what we're doing. This is where we're at. It's like, well, that's why we didn't really do too much of that on tour. The little bit that we did on did a do on tour we were just kind of filming right geography so we're finding we're going to find so, a new way to live yeah cast. we're trying to come up with new ways to do that that's a little more interesting and uh you know outside the box thinking type stuff yeah cool and if you google tomb of nick cage this is going to come up you're either going to get the band or you're going to get the actual tomb so yes yes it's it's easy to find they both exist. If you put a K, we're Tomb of Nick, N-I-C-K. Yes, you're right. You're going to get mostly you, yeah. Which, believe it or not, that wasn't any the only reason that came about. Was, uh, was like I I wasn't sure how he spelled his name. We just, <laughs> we just liked the way it, it looks looked better with a K. It looked better written out with a K, and I was like, I think that's how he actually spells it, but I don't, whatever. It so, looks better with a K. We just like the way it looks better with a K. That's so, right. You know, yeah, I, I, I actually thought it was with a K until this very moment, so. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I agree. It looks better with a K. <laughs> so I want to thank you both for coming on. It's been awesome, and thanks for for the uh, for the the tune. And uh, I love playing the music on the show, and I love to have you back sometime. We'll talk about horror movies or whatever you guys like to talk about. Yeah, if you ever if you ever want to just like chew the fat about any horror movies that are coming out, we would love to do that because I could probably go on for hours. So. I'm very, I'm very excited about horror film and horror novels and all that stuff. Horror music, just let us know. Very good. Thanks again. This has been great. Thank I you. Nick. I mean, Neil. <laughs> <laughs> the Tomb of Neil Cage. The Tomb of Neil Cage is going to be our, our next uh, album. <laughs> Nasty Nick has a good uh, There you go. There you like go. <laughs> Oh